Welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series, where we discuss the technologies, the companies, and the people that we believe are shaping the evolution of retail. Today, we're coming to you again live from the Etel West trade show floor in Palm Springs. And thanks to our Etel show sponsors. First, Sezzle. Sezzle is the number one shopper-rated buy-now, pay-later option for e-commerce stores. Sezzle increases sales and order values by letting shoppers get the things they want now, but pay for them in four interest-free installments over the course of six weeks. Try Sezzle for free for 30 days. Visit get.sezzle.com slash etail. That's get.sezzle.com slash etail. Or if you're at the show, visit booth W30. Sezzle, engaging the next generation of buyers. And of course, Stylelytics. Stylelytics is a scalable outfitting solution used by the biggest and best retailers in fashion. Stylelytics delivers personalized and on-brand outfitting content, which increases the customer's basket size and creates a more compelling shopping experience. You can find Stylelytics here at the show in booth 711 or by visiting stylelytics.com. That's S-T-Y-L-I-T-I-C-S.com. And today we are joined by Third Love's co-founder and co-CEO, David Spector. David, welcome to the show. It's great to be here, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So we got to listen to you on stage this morning. And I want to start with this question, because you said something that really, really resonated with us. It's something we've written about, something we've talked a lot about in our podcast. And you made one comment, and that was that your penetration outside of the coast for what you do is actually higher than it is on the coasts. What is it about who you are as third love, what you do, what is resonating so well to make that happen when that's not what we see traditionally with direct-to-consumer brands? Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that. We're really proud of that fact. We want to be a brand for women everywhere of all sizes, shapes, and ethnicities, right? We don't want to just be a brand for a certain type of woman who lives in a certain place that is high net worth, high household income. We want to be a brand that resonates with every type of woman, regardless of where you are. And so we are very proud of the fact that when we look at our, our market penetration map, we have millions of customers today. It really is far stronger in the middle of the country, outside of big cities. We've got a lot of, we've got a lot of uh, ideas as to why that is. One of the most uh, 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 obvious ones is that a woman who lives in San Francisco or New York uh, or Minneapolis has other options. She has a Nordstrom's. Uh, she has uh, dedicated stores for, uh, for bras and underwear that she can shop at, right? She's probably been fit for a good-fitting bra previously. Mm-hmm. A woman that lives in the middle of nowhere, uh, she doesn't have that option. She maybe has a Walmart or Target, but maybe that Walmart or Target is an hour away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and inside of a Walmart, it probably isn't a great shopping experience, especially in that category, and especially for a lot of the fringe sizes. And one of the unique, unique things that we do at Third Love, and again, it, it, it's all about servicing and, and allowing women of all sizes and shapes to really shop with us, is we have 80 plus sizes, uh, well more than double the industry average. And that's really the power of what e-commerce can provide, uh, is we can offer a much, much wider range of sizes than anybody else can because we are an on- online experience and because we ship it to you instead of having to come into a store. So it's kind of played both sides. It's giving access to the people that might not have it. And then it's also the underserved elements across the whole range on the sizing front that maybe they can't find the particular size they're looking for. 
100%. I, I mean, the, the sizing part, it can't be underestimated. I mean, the, the, the TAM, the total addressable market that we're able to go after at Third Love is so much larger than anybody else can, just based on size, right? Because every woman is a unique, different size, right? And so if you don't offer that size, she can't shop with you. It's not like buying a mattress online where everybody needs a mattress. Everybody needs a queen, king, et cetera, mattress, right? Is that true of all clothing or unique to you guys? In what way? Like, could you make the same argument for any, say, a top or a pair of pants that their, their TAM, as you said, is, is also equal in size or scope uh, for the same reason based on being able to find your available size? Sure. And or is bras unique in some way? You know, bra- bras are very unique uh, just because there are so many sizes and, 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 and theoretically there's sort of an infinite number of band cup combinations, right? Mm-hmm. It, there's always, I mean, I think we offer 85, 90% of sizes uh, mapped to sort of women's, uh, women's sizes in America we offer. And again, it's hard to actually figure out what that number is. But well, it's a more complicated product, right? Than say many product. other categories of apparel. But nobody can ever get to 100%. In apparel though, as, as men and women know, there are certain stores that are made for plus size men or women. There are certain stores that are for smaller people. There are certain uh, stores that are made for certain people of certain styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our case, right, it's uh, the, the type of uh, product that we offer is different. Some of the styles are different too as they get larger. But we have spent a lot of effort and a lot of capital on R&D so we can make and expand our product offering so that larger women, as an example, can shop with us. Um, in, uh, in 2018, we spent two years really doing R&D on plus size, extended sizes uh, for the company. It, it's Making bras, most people don't realize, is a very complicated garment to produce. There's 30 components in a bra, upwards of 30. The supply chain is incredibly complicated. In many ways, the, the players that have grown as large as they are, uh, the untold story is supply chain dominance. And we struggled as a small little company that was started in my living room with my wife seven years ago. We struggled for a long time to, to build that supply chain dominance, to grow to where we are today um, and struggle to get off the ground in large part. It wasn't because of our e-commerce stack. It wasn't because of our brand. In many cases, it was because of, of, of supply chain. And so once we had that going, we then put a number of... We knew we wanted to offer as many sizes as we could. And so we had to put a lot of effort into R&D to make more sizes. And what happened is in 2018, we finally launched it. We did a uh, sort of a pre-sale of it, expecting we wouldn't get that many folks signing up. We, you know, we're not that, we weren't that big of a company then. We still aren't. Um, we have a lot of work to do to really become a much larger company. But still, we, we thought we'd get, I don't know, maybe a couple thousand. We had 1.3 million women sign up for the pre-sale. All of, so all of our inventory was exhausted very, very quickly. And then because of the supply chain problems, we struggled for really years uh, until now to really finally get the supply chain in a place where we can offer every one of those sizes and they're always in stock. Right. Yeah, that's a complex problem. I want to come back to that too, especially sure. as we talk outlet and distribution strategy too. But yeah, the brand is... The brand for the whole bell curve, that's a unique position. I've not actually heard or thought about that before, so kudos on that. Well, and I think, you know, one thing that you can't, I think, discount is that clothing in apparel is much different than the difference that it makes between a cup size or half a cup size and a bra. It's not the same. A, a, a woman can wear a size small and it can look different on multiple women, but you're, you know, third love is is a product that is able to tone that in so specifically. Like I recently 
was in the same process myself. <laughs> and I was at a Victoria's Secret store and they were like, look, you're either going to have to wear a bra that's too big or too small. Like that's where that the market is right now. So I think the opportunity to have, um, and I want to talk to you a little bit too, David, about the sizing and have you explain for the audience who might not be familiar what the, the fit guide, like what that process looks like for um, the consumer across the country right now to get that right size bra. Yeah, and, and I think your experience is very similar to many Americans. It's that frustrating experience of that, God, I'm going into this store again that doesn't resonate with me. I hate the brand, but I don't know where else to go. Right. And that's our objective at Third Love with our marketing so that we hit you up at the right time with the right message that resonates with you so that you know to shop with us, that you right. know that another option exists that allows you to get a great fit without having to step foot in a retail store. Right. Which no woman really wants to in this category. You don't shop socially for it. It's not fun. You have to do it in many cases annually. Right. Uh, and so that's really, that's what we want to strive to do. Uh, and you know, hopefully the next time you go, you, you'll be thinking of third love. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, look, I think that the most important thing that we need to, to do as a company mm -hmm. uh, is bridge the gap from online, uh, from offline to online, right? right? And, and, and in many ways, it's somewhat of a behavior change, right? It's, it's the, it, because women are so used to having to go step foot into a mall, to have to go into a store. Right. We need her to think that there is another option. And so through FitFinder, through technology, which is what you are getting at, FitFinder is our trademarked way using you know, our, our, our data science through the, the collective input of 17 million Americans that have taken that. Uh, actually, I shouldn't just say Americans, people all over the world. We have customers everywhere uh, that have taken FitFinder Day, 17 million. I mean, it's kind of a pinch me number. I, mm -hmm. you know, we were on our living room table seven years ago. Uh, and here we are today with that number of people that have taken that. And that collective data set feeds in to all of our data science, machine learning models, et cetera, that help make those algorithms better to help perfect the fit and mm -hmm. also help us figure out what are the new sizes and styles that we need to go into? And so your experience is a really good one because what happened to you in that store was you're probably a half cup size. And we're the only company in the world that offers half sizes, 34B and a half, C and a half, et cetera. Um, and that came out of purely looking at the data, a data set that nobody ever had before, right? If you're a retailer, your data set might be maybe some credit card data, maybe some foot traffic data from the store, but that's it. You walk yeah. out and you don't even know the name of the person mm -hmm. for the most part right? We have so much more information that helps personalize the experience and helps us figure out that you might be a, a, a 34B and a half, a C and a half, a, C and a, a D and a half, et cetera. And we were able to create those half sizes through the learnings of that data. And one of our taglines, you were, you were sort of getting at this earlier, yeah. one of our taglines in marketing today is shoes have half sizes, why shouldn't bras? Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Does that resonate with you? It, do it does. It's, yeah, there's less room for air. You know, for the product relative to say like a pant length or you for know, sure. the fit of the shirt. Yeah, 100%. What was the origin? For I got to ask that too. Yeah. What was the origin? So you've mentioned the living room, I think the living room table now in the podcast even prior to us starting. How did it all start? Where did you guys get the inspiration for this idea? Yeah, I mean, we wanted to solve a problem uh, like many people that build businesses. And we had, you know, we didn't, you know, our stupidity our lack of insight into the market, our hubris really made us not realize how bad of an idea and how hard of an idea this would be. And I think if you know the realities of starting a business, especially with our kind of ambition and what we wanted to build, multiple billion dollar business, 
you never would set out to, to do it. You, if, you, if you know the pain you're going to go through to get there, you would never do it, right? And, you know, now that we are living it, the pain sort of, you know, we, we deal with it. It's, it's behind the scenes. It's bothersome, you know, sort of like back pain, I guess. You know, it's there, but you have to deal with it. You, gotta, you still have to walk. Right. Um, you still have to sleep on your back. So, you know, it's just there all the time. And it's kind of like that when you build a business, right? It's just part of the process. Um, I'm sure if we had known the realities of building a business, we wouldn't have started it. In 2012, I was at a VC fund in Silicon Valley. Heidi was at Google. We had met. And Heidi's your wife? Heidi's my wife. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Heidi's my wife and co founder. Okay. um, And my much, much better half. And so she, uh, I was working at a VC fund thinking thematically about consumer markets. Okay. And I was thinking at a very macro level about women's categories. Women historically have been underserved in retail uh, and have certainly online were underserved. And in large part, that's because many, many businesses, although it's gotten better today, are started by men. Uh, and many entrepreneurs, especially in the tech space, are definitely men. And many of the investors are too. And fortunately, that has been changing. But... We said, I was thinking about how do we actually, what are the businesses in the categories that we would want to invest in? It, especially in women's oriented categories, which are underpenetrated. Women spend 70, have control 70% of dollars in households, right? So why is the, it's flipped? Why is it, is it the inverse that of these companies that are going after men and have brands that are targeted at men? And so we were saying to ourselves, what do we need to do differently? And, uh, Heidi was talking about intimate apparel. She had that core insight. I'm just tired of shopping at Victoria's Secret. Why am I going to the store? The same experience you had. Um, with this, 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 this cheesy pink bag that I stuff into my work bag as I go back to the office <laughs> that I don't want anybody to see me with because right. I'm embarrassed. But I'm going there just like you did in the Mall of America because I don't even know. It's just what I've always done. I hate this brand. The product doesn't fit. Um, but I don't have any other options. And we said there had to be a better way to do it and build it from the ground up. Um, and so we kept sort of iterating and working on it at night and eventually both quit our jobs and got to work on our dining room table. That's interesting. Naivete, I think, as we've done this, we've probably done close to 100,000, 100 podcasts. My God. We hear that from every entrepreneur that not knowing what they were getting to actually is a tremendous advantage. So let's talk about that because I imagine one of the next things you're contemplating and you mentioned on stage was, you know, what is the store strategy? So how do stores fit into what you're doing now? How many do you have? And what are your plans there? Let's start there. So Third Love, Third Love's objective was always to build a e-commerce digital-based brand. Unlike other digital natives that very quickly opened stores, we were always focused on building out e-commerce and putting all of our efforts, all of our time into that. And the challenge with retail, which I'll talk about because we're, we're dealing with it now, is it requires an immense amount of focus and a lot of experience and really a, 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 almost another muscle, a business muscle than e-commerce. It's just so different. And, and by the way, e-commerce on the flip side requires a totally different muscle too. Right. Dealing with uh, physical atoms, real product, real stores, real real estate is totally different than dealing with zeros and ones and fulfillment centers. So that was what we wanted to put our efforts in and we wanted to build a nine figure plus revenue business before we even thought about retail and got distracted by that. 
which again is different from other digital focused brands. Open stores very quickly. Once we felt like the the sort of the house was in order, we had a really strong team. Uh, we had built out all of the other processes and systems we needed to. We felt like we had the time to start thinking about how retail could be accretive to the overall business, not a separate business unit. Mm-hmm. Not a huge part of our revenue, but accretive. How it could add value to what we offer online. And so last year, we opened up our first store. Uh, there was a lot of press about it. Great excitement uh, in Soho, New York. Okay. Uh, it is. Uh, it's. It's downtown. It's beautiful. Um, we're very proud of it. There's a lot of work we need to do to make it better. Uh, like, seems like everybody's first retail store. Nobody's ever satisfied with. I'm what, certainly not satisfied. What's with What's in the store? Can you tell us? Like, is it all 80 plus sizes, or what is it? We haven't had a chance to visit there. I'd well, the love to. First do it. and most important thing that's in the store is an amazing team. Okay. Um, through through amazing training that we have put together, starting with our fit stylist team in California, that focuses on customer service. And training for customer service in our business has been a real process to learn how to do that. We have a very, very comprehensive customer service and training program, in part because the product that we sell and have to customer service on is so personal and is so different Mm -hmm. than somebody shipping to you dog food or a mattress or something. Yeah, it has to be on point or people are going to come back. Because if somebody's reaching out to us, Mm -hmm. they're not happy about something. So we have to be ready for that. Right? It's not just, where's my package? Yeah, it's not I lost just a questionnaire package. anymore online. No. You've got to... The vast majority of companies that deal with customer service, uh, it's, where's my package? Uh, how do I check out? Et cetera. Right? We're dealing with much more complex problems. So those training programs we brought into retail, and what we have in the store is an amazing set of fit stylists who can help you get fit into the right thing. We have nine fitting rooms in the store in 2,000 square feet. Okay. Okay. That's insane. Okay. I thought, I said to the team when we were d- developing it out, uh, let's just do five fitting rooms. Why are you guys thinking about almost 10? That seems crazy. He said, Dave, 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 you're wrong. I'm wrong often. And uh, this is going to be the right number. You go, this is going to take up a lot of footprint of the store, but okay. As it turns out, guys, nine's not enough. Yeah. I can't believe it. We have lines sometimes to get into a fitting room. Um, the fitting room itself, a couple of them have an entrance in the back. So uh, with a, a little table. By the uh, by, the curtain. Okay. Where a fit stylist can put in a new size or style for you without having to, to get dressed again, um, which is so you thought about that problem. architecturally. That's great. There's a lot that's different about that's it. That's great. There's a um, there's the lighting. These we had a a, a a light firm help us. We built out these really interesting um, uh, lights on the top of each fitting room where you press a button and they they, they flash. So if you need help, you can change the the color of the lighting behind the mirror. Sure. Because everybody, you know, everybody, we're not trying to make somebody look different or, you know, uh, falsely look better than they're supposed to be as many, many retailers do. Right. We want you to look natural and look the way that you want to look. So you can change the color of the lighting behind the mirror. And to answer uh, questions, are, are the full range of sizes available there and what you carry? The, the full range of sizes. Wow. Um, not all styles are offered sure. there. But, but m- what fit. many people do, because uh, we have so many, mm-hmm. but what many people do and is very easy to do is order in the store. You can try everything there. Oh, you can, bring, uh, you can send it to the store and then try it? Well, you can try it in the store. You might not be able to walk out with it. Oh, okay. You can check out there and we'll have okay. it shipped to you. Okay. okay. Two to three days. Got it. So kind of like the Bonobo Sky Shop model kind of set up there. Yeah. And in, in many ways more complicated than that because there are so many different styles. And within those styles, then those styles that we've developed uh, with our team, we have an incredible design team, a very technical design team. Within those styles, there's size and color variance within those styles. Mm-hmm. So it 
becomes a pretty large number of SKUs. So you're, do you, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, so you're taking, just to like break down the process simply. So are, I walk in, am I taking the fit finder test with, or am I going to more, a more traditional process where I'm getting fitted and then given the bras? That's a great question. So you can, there are plenty of women. We always ask you to do it generally when you walk in to take fit finder. Mm-hmm. We have uh, a lot of iPads around, or you can just use your phone while you're in the store Okay. to take fit finder. Sure. Uh, and that would help you uh, initially. Certainly, we're usually very accurate on FitFinder. Again, because of the collective efforts of the of the 17 plus million women that have today taken it, um, we're generally pretty good and pretty accurate with the recommended size from that. Not always, but usually we have fairly low return rates. Uh, but in the store, you'd either take that or just go right into a dress room, whatever you prefer. Uh, okay. But most women do take FitFinder when they start. So. You mentioned this a little bit on stage too, that stores are going to be even a bigger part of your strategy going forward. To what extent can you talk about that? What can you share with us? Um, and I'm curious too, do you know for sure that stores are something you need at this point in time or are they still an experiment that you're learning from as you go? Is it a requirement for you to be successful, I guess is another way to put it? Well, I think we're a long way from being successful uh, and we have so much more work to do as a company uh, to really execute on our mission. So we don't need stores. No. Okay. No. Um, I think we could be very, very successful if we didn't have any stores. Okay. The question is, when it comes down to customer experience and putting customers first, that's a quote, is we have five core values at Third Love, and that's our fifth and most important core value. Okay. It's putting customers first. Okay. And if we're putting customers first, the women in certain cities, in certain locations where we do have a low penetration rate where there are other options for them to shop at, where they might already have a great fitting bra. They've asked us and they've said to us, please open a store here because I want to try it. Mm-hmm. Right now, I don't, I don't have a need to go through a process online. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't live in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. in, in America mm-hmm. uh, where my only option is Third Love or uh, uh, Walmart an hour away. They've said, open a store because that creates a better c- customer experience for me. And... What it has yielded in our initial experience, uh, experiments is a higher lifetime value in customers that repeat faster, mm-hmm. that come back and spend more, and that stay a part of our brand for longer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's early days, but we're pretty happy and satisfied with the current store, and so we will be adding more stores in the future. How many more? Do you know at this point in time? You don't know, we don't have an exact number. Okay. Um, I would be happy to share if we had an exact okay. number. We don't know. Um, we want to do a couple this year in 2020. Okay. Uh, probably more next year, but very, very selectively. It's not a core part of our growth uh, at the company. It's not something that we have to do to keep moving forward. Um, again, we want to reach everybody in the country on their terms in the easiest way possible. What are you learning on the sizing front as you guys do those types of experiments? I can remember running, I ran denim for Gap, and we had, I think it was 40 sizes at the time. And I think there were probably another 80 or 100 online. And that gets really complicated really quickly. Uh, you know, and the inventory turns in a store as you're showcasing that stuff, you know, get a little more complicated than when you're, you're carrying it all in a fulfillment center. So how are you thinking about that as you guys start to kind of look for scale? And the question was really around the, the operationalizing of stores with the number of sizes that you carry in general. Because it works, like you said in the beginning, you know, e-commerce very different than operating stores and the inventory requirements. How are you guys so thinking different. about that? What are you learning from that New York store that helps you as you expand? Well, what... Why? I mean, we love this category for many reasons. Re- reasons, but one of the best things about it, from an e-commerce perspective and from a retail perspective, getting to your question, mm-hmm. is that for the vast majority of shoppers, 
you're not coming into a third love store on Saturday morning because you need a bra that night. You probably already have a strapless bra for the party tonight. Now we can get you into a better one that's more comfortable, but you probably already have one. I see. Except for the rare cases that maybe you forgot it and you're traveling or whatever, right? We're not going to optimize for those very small circumstances, those rare, those rare cases. Um, but it's okay in our category to have it shipped to you. Mm-hmm. Women are perfectly fine with that. And, you know, they walk into a store of ours wearing a bra. There's no bra emergency. We used to say the right. same thing selling patio furniture. You don't have a patio furniture emergency. That's what you're saying, right? right? It's the same thing. Um, okay. you, you have something that might be falling apart, that might be super uncomfortable, but you're probably coming into the store wearing, wearing a product, right? And so we feel as though we don't need to offer the full range of inventory in our store, which would be very hard to do, if not impossible to do, without a massive, massive stock room, which is not worth paying for. So mm-hmm. one of the tests that we're thinking about doing in retail okay. is opening up a much smaller footprint store uh, in a more suburban location that is called 700 to 1,000 square feet, half the size of our Soho store, that has almost no inventory okay. and is is really a showroom more than anything else. Um, it is really additive to our online experience. Where you go in, you get fit, you figure out what your style and size is in the store, and she can either help you order it in the store or just order it from your phone while you're in there. You know, I, I'm thinking of that, and I'm going to use Warby Parker as an analog for that because I think that, you know, we saw Warby's had success both with the at-home try-on, which you're doing at Third Love right now by sending it to people directly, but you think about the amount of volume that they're still able to do in a small footprint just by being able to get some more confidence in your purchase. And I think that was one question, David, that I had for you too, as you, as you're exploring this New York store, who was coming in there Mm. and were they the, were they, had they heard of you? Like, were you getting new people? Because there's a, there's a pretty big gap right now with Victoria's Secret having just been sold. Your other option for that, I do need a bra today. I would, I would argue that there are some situations where th- I do need something and I need something tonight and I'm going to Target small, or Walmart. Small percentage, but yes. Right. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, or I'm a mom and I'm a new mom and I don't have time to do no this. Time. So this Definitely. is more about an appointment basis, getting my things done or getting fit and not having to ever think about this again and just being able right. to now repeat order it. Back, but back to my question, what, who were you seeing come into the stores um, that you weren't expecting or that was different maybe than... Uh, well, interestingly, to your, to your point, and you just named a number of diff- different circumstances, I, I as, a, as a parent of, of two kids, uh, young kids, totally uh, <laughs> empathize uh, with the, I'm too busy to do any of this stuff uh, and running a business. It's nuts. Um, so I think our store has attracted women all types. It's the woman who's too busy. It is the woman that needs something for that night. Uh, it, it in in those circumstances, those rare circumstances. But it is, um, it is somebody that sees us on the street. We're not optimizing for super super prime retail location on Fifth Avenue, um, where it's a billboard if nothing else, right? right? So we're not optimizing necessarily for the foot traffic, but we we see it. It becomes a billboard for us. There are enough people that walk in because they see that we're there. For the most part, we have fairly high. Um, Aided brand awareness in this country. Um, we're very happy. Unaided is much smaller. Big difference mm-hmm. between unaided and aided. But aided is high. Um, and, and that's through our marketing efforts. That, that's through our, our strong differentiation between the, the largest player in the space who you mentioned earlier. Um, and so we're proud of that. But 
people have heard of us, they might see us walking on the street. Oh yeah, that's third love. I didn't even know you had a store here. So they'll pop in for that. Okay. Um, and I think all of those experiences are what we're thinking. And by the way, mm-hmm. from an, from a demographic perspective, it's women from 12 years old with their mom getting their first bra, um, up to 85, 90 years old. We've seen it all. And yeah. furthermore, which makes us very, very proud more so than anything else. And this speaks to sort of middle America. It's women of all different types of household income. Uh, from very wealthy who they're stocking all of their multiple houses <laughs> um, t- with third love uh, to a woman who makes minimum wage mm-hmm. and deserves to have something that fits great and maybe bought one or two uh, much cheaper, more inexpensive bras a year uh, at, a, at, a, at a big box store. And instead of saving up, instead of buying two of those, uh, is saving up and just buying one third love. Mm-hmm. But it lasts longer. It's much more comfortable. You know, you don't have back problems if that's your issue. Um, you look better in certain clothes. All these things where it's worth it to make that investment. And so we're appealing to her just as much as we're appealing to, to women of a, of a higher income bracket. Last question that we'll get you out of here on our standard questionnaire that we ask everybody for a little bit of fun here at the end. But I think, you know, what we've been talking about too is a little bit of like, okay, you know, how do you start to learn what the right answers are as you build a brand and you go forward? As you're selling online, as you're going in store, the one angle that we haven't talked about that I'm curious about because I, I really am interested because... The store question is still a big question. Like, how many do you need? How fast do you do it? How are you looking at returns? There's so much advances technologically around returns, how they can be taken, partners you can use, different points of distribution for your product. Like, how are you, how are you thinking about that side of things in terms of giving your customers what you need? So, yeah, and I'm so glad you mentioned that. At the end of the day, we, we do want to give customers what they want in the way that they want it, putting customers first as an important core value for the company. So returns, while it is a small part of our business, are certainly a a challenge. Uh, And we want to make it a great customer experience. We optimize around being able to return it to us in the United States Postal Service. So you don't have to go into a FedEx store or uh, a UPS store, give it to the UPS man, which may not, you know, I, I work in an office, so both FedEx and UPS come every day. So it's easy to return product. But not every woman does. Some women are at home. Some women are, women are shuffling between schools. Some women work at a small office that the UPS doesn't come every day. So we thought about that and we said we want to use a solution that allows her to drop it into a mailbox and we want to have a box that fits in a mailbox because mm-hmm. there's mailboxes everywhere. Great. So that was really important to us. Um, and again, really optimizing not for the woman that works in, a, in an office. Uh, we want women of all kinds that to be able to, 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 to shop with us easily. Um, the other thing too is return product. We're very proud of this is, uh, it's either return to stock if, if we can, uh, or for the cases where it's been used, we have a 60 day return policy, wear it, wash it, sleep in it, live in it, have your kid draw on it, whatever you want. Um, we're, 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 we're pretty flexible. Um, we have a complete open return policy and people are very respectful of it, by the way. So, uh, but, the product that we get back that is gently used, we donate to homeless shelters, women in need all over the country. And we're actually the largest donor of bras in the United States now. We're really proud of that. Really, really proud of that. And, and we're the only company that does it, ironically, because most other brands, and this is shocking. I, I mean, there, there, are, there are a few companies that are bigger than us, but they don't do this. Uh, they shred it or they throw it in a dumpster. There was just a story uh, about a... Um, Thousands of bras that were found in a dumpster behind a Victoria's Secret store. And that, 
I cringed at that because those are bras that women need. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, thanks for that. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting space to think about as, you know, you grab the question, you know, how do you think about returns for the long term? Not necessarily as a problem as people traditionally do, but also as an opportunity to c- continue to make those connections, give people that tactile experience, and then still put stores in the right place that also do that as well. So, and I think we should play How Millennial Are You? What do you think? I think so. Are you ready? We're going to do How Millennial Are You, David. It's a series of three questions. Uh-oh. We'll go pretty rapid fire. Okay, so first question um, let's say you are at uh, the Dwayne Reed. You're about to check out, and you, when you pay, are you paying with mobile wallet? Are you Apple Pay? Apple Pay. Constantly. Wow, ding, ding, she ding. didn't even have to ask you. That's right. amazing. Nope. Why? All the time. I don't. Well, a, I don't. I really don't care cash. Okay. I have three. I have a wallet. Uh, I have a, I have a case, a wallet case that has three cards on the back of it. I've completely like minimized my life as much as I can. One is an ID, and one's a business credit card, one's a personal credit card. And I've got Apple Pay. I constantly want to use Apple Pay because I hate taking the cards out of the back. Do you choose where to go based on who has Apple Pay? No, but no, if... That the, doesn't enter your mind. Okay, it enters my mind only if there's a line to check out. Oh. If, if I see that there's Apple Pay at the counter... I will stay in the line. If there's a long line and they don't have it, I'll just leave. You just I don't, leave. This oh, so is not, not my time. It okay. takes extra time. Yeah. yeah. I, I get I constantly get frustrated in the world as an entrepreneur because I I constantly walk around. This is my issue. I walk around and I see problems everywhere yeah. and need fixing. <laughs> Ditto. Um and so one of those is line optimization and checkout. I don't know why humans still have to be involved in checkout. Right. It's another story. But it always bothers me and <laughs> I want about that a lot. I right. want to go, oh perfect. Uh, good plug for your podcast. Exactly. Um, I I want to go up to people in those lines who aren't using uh, contactless payment and say, "Let me show you how to set up Android Pay or Apple Pay. <laughs> Let me show you on your phone. Just to- you're of another generation. I guess I am a millennial in a certain extent. Um, right. I'll show you how to use it. I will teach you. It's easy, and then you don't have to spend, you know, a, a two minutes sticking your credit card in the machine and it waiting uh, for it to read the chip. Right. Yeah, the people that blow our minds are the people that have tried Apple Pay, but yet for some reason haven't converted. Like, I can't, it's like, what's wrong with you, man? I've set it up for both of my parents, and I still am trying to get them to remember to use it. Right, right. Uh, it's a behavioral change more than anything else. You might have just won how many I think he's going to score high, yeah. All right, next question. How many times in the last week have you ordered food or coffee or uh, something else via an app? What, today's, uh, today's Wednesday, so what day of the week, what day does like, it start? In the last seven days. <laughs> uh, probably every other day at least. Oh my gosh! You be, give it coffee, give it food. Yeah. Uh, yeah, makes sense. I don't order groceries on an app though. Why? This makes me not millennial. I enjoy. I enjoy shopping. Okay. Oh, for groceries. For groceries, I uh, I like going to Whole Foods, and I really like going to Costco. What? Oh what? My. Oh God! Really? What? Wow. Yep. Even though you hate I don't know if we line. can sit at the same wow, table like, anymore. I can't, I can't compute I, those two worlds. I can't mind. either. I I told you I might not win how millennial Sam's are Club you. Now down in Texas, you yes. gotta go see that. That's probably like your mecca. <laughs> I would love it. Scan probably. and go. Check out yourself. Warehouse experience. Man. Oh my! Goodness. I I appreciate the merchandising of a Costco. You like the find. I enjoy <laughs> the find. I enjoy the deal. My kids like it too mm. when we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it is, it's not far away from my house. So I don't have to drive. I wouldn't drive far for it yeah. if I had to. It's really close Which to Which one do you go to? In San, in San Francisco. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know exactly where you're at. And 
Uh, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy the experience. I enjoy the merchandise. I enjoy the discovery of it. Of course, uh, it's not good for your wallet because every time I go, I end up spending way more money than when I came in. If I go in for strawberries and some fruit, get in and out, I end up spending $400. It's the dad's, a bunch of stuff that I have no need it's for. The it's the dad's target. It's the dad's target. You cannot leave there other dad, without $100 friends friends or more there. spent. My, um, my amazing wife hates it. So... I'm I'm with your amazing wife. Um, okay, last. And you're both still amazing, even though. <laughs> I can't wait to see what, where this one goes. Last question: If you could only use one social app, what would it be, and why? Instagram. Why? I enjoy the discovery aspect of it. Uh, it is fun in a way that doesn't suck up that much time for me, and I like seeing what my friends are up to. I don't follow any, really, really follow any celebrities. It's not of interest to me. Um, I just enjoy seeing where people are. I've learned about really good food from people, like restaurants that I want to try. Sure. Um, I've heard recommendations for people about um, things I should do if I'm skiing. I was at a ski uh, resort last week for a couple of days, and so I've learned about things that way when people DM me. Um, I think it's really useful. And then, and then lastly, um, it's an important acquisition channel for our company. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... I find it very useful to use it and, and utilize it so I can learn myself. Um, my wife is at Heidi on Instagram, uh, and she's used that for, for business reasons, and it's been great for us. And I'm at Dave Spector, uh, and it's been great for me to learn about how to use the, the platform better so that we can um, acquire more customers from it. And it sounds like we should follow you for lots of food recommendations, especially from your latest Montreal trip. <laughs> or, the thing you, or the thing you got at Costco. Yeah. You find at Costco. Yes. Well, hey, man, we always ask, how can they get in touch with you? And you just did that, so you knocked that out of the park, so we don't have DM to ask me on you that. Instagram, yeah, at Dave Spector, sure. Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, man, thank you so much again for those listening. David Spector, co-founder and co-CEO of Third Love. Thanks as well to our show sponsors, Sezzle and Stylelytics. Without them, this wouldn't be happening. To all of you out there, as always, be careful out there.